And wait, and wait. And baby, I'm TFC till I die. Hello and welcome back to Toronto Till I Die, the Toronto FC fan show. I'm Mike Newell and oh, what a feeling. John Hurden made the rounds at BMO Field. The DPs DP'd and Toronto FC finally, for the first time since May 27th, process a 3-1 win over the Philadelphia Union. In the process, getting Terry Dunfield his first ever professional management win. Uh, so the vibes are strong here on Toronto Till I Die today. No more dour uh, Mike and Jeff. Uh, as you can see, no Mike Singh. But uh, we, of course, have John Molnaro back on the show with us this week. Uh, we will be reveling in that 3-1 win. Uh, we'll be talking a little bit about the importance of John Herdman and Jason Hernandez's staff now that we have... Hey, coach, what about the rest of those positions? Uh, we'll be going into a little bit of a, a short little mailbag with JMO. Um, and then, of course, we will uh, wrap up with the burning question presented by Nextdoor. Um, as we get into it, uh, before we get into the big, heavy-hitting items of the day, um, John, we normally do something called Food Corner here on the show before we really dig into the meat of the show. Um, okay. and usually it's, <laughs> it's me bringing up stuff that I've been eating <laughs> over the last week. Um, and then the other guys jump in. You, of course, beyond being the founder and editor of TFC Republic and being a longtime Toronto FC beat reporter, also put down really great uh, tweets with your dinners, which are usually fantastic and make me very jealous. And usually you're like, why didn't I make that? Uh, so the question <laughs> for you, John, is what you've been eating? What, what's what's sort of been on the the menu for uh, Mr. Molinero in the last couple of days? Well, today, because I happen to uh, grow my own basil on my balcony. And uh, today I picked like the last of it. Um, so I made a fresh uh, pesto with pappardelle pasta, which was uh bellissimo yeah, really well. mm. yeah. uh, turned out really well so i was pretty pleased nice nice awesome i uh i went with a little bit of a paella now i don't have a proper paella mm. pan um but i do use a skillet um turned out okay uh i didn't do shrimp this time um which i know is a sin i know someone out there is going to be roasting me for not using shrimp uh in my paella but my wife doesn't like it so uh mm. but it turned out okay um i didn't also have saffron because saffron is Ooh. so expensive like it's ridiculously yeah. expensive it's an expensive spice but i, I it, it, well worth it if you can make the investment can yeah. i make a suggestion mike for paella next time try like get fresh rabbit meat if you can and use that because that's fantastic john i i don't live in the luxurious world of media writing uh chicken you know we can we can get some sausage some chorizo you know um rabbit mm. meat it's, it's not that hard i mean you live in hamilton right you can go to the hamilton farmers market and probably get like a, a nice uh a, a rabbit loin there so i i could i could um but you won't i might have to <laughs> I might have to. I might have to explain yep, this on and the, uh, back. the budget. What do you mean we're short on the budget? Wait, because you got rabbit meat? Oh, great. Um, so anyway, Jeff, before we get into it, too, what's mm. on your menu before we wrap? We'll wrap up. Well, first, I got a question. Paella with shrimp, 
heads included or heads come off? No, the heads, no because... we don't do the head. Tarot doesn't do the heads. Um, so no mm-hmm, heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, yeah, John? You like eating those those heads? I do. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, 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 have, <laughs> I have a proper paella pan too. So I mean, I haven't. Made of course, it you do. Pan, yeah. But uh, I probably should probably have a go at it because it's been. Uh, yeah, it's been a long time since I made paella. Mm, there you go. Mm. There you go. Uh, what What am I eating? I mean, the huge, the huge, uh, uh, certainly around the homestead. But I did uh, have a pickled bat corn dog explode all over me prior to the to the Philly game uh, uh, when I when I went to eat it at the CNE. Um, those things should come with a warning label. It was like magma level, like the, the, that pickle juice could melt lead. And uh, in addition to like the proper third degree burns all right, all down my arm, I smelt like pickle juice for the duration of the uh, of the Philadelphia game. So, yeah, big mistake. But I didn't I didn't go for the uh, cheeseburger ice cream because I'm not a masochist. Well, I'm not that much of a masochist. Like he says, after and you don't want to wait in line that long. That's ridiculous. That level. Oh, there weren't, you know, the lines weren't that long. You know, there are a lot of places around the general concourse that was sell, that were selling the cheeseburger ice cream. It's just gross. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's, it's super, super, super gross. So I didn't need it. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those people that has to that has to have all the all the new hotness at the CNE because I've been I've been burned literally uh, many times before. So, uh, yeah, pickle dog and, and out. That was it. Yeah. And it leads really into sort of my next question again, keeping it light before we get into the show and get into the revelry mm. of a win. How do you feel about CNE games? Um, because at first when we started having them, I liked them. And then I realized, wait, I don't actually love massive crowds and trying to fight my way to my gate uh, to try to get in and out of the stadium. Um, I don't know how you guys feel. JMO, obviously you do this from a a reporting perspective. You're in in the booth. What is that sort of C&E experience like for you to try to get to where you need to get to? Because I like have come to kind of despise it a little bit. Um, though it's beautiful on TV and the shots are great with the midway and the rides light up, lit up at night and stuff. That looks awesome. I get that. Um, but everything else, uh, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of over it. Yeah, it kind of complicates my day a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, once you get into the Liberty Village, it probably adds on another five, ten minutes to my day in terms of just getting to to the ground and getting upstairs. But I mean, I'm not going to sort of sweat it too much. I mean, I'm like you. I don't particularly care for it. I mean, I'm, I don't particularly like the big crowds. I mean, you know, the X is something I did when I was a kid, and that's certainly not. I don't do anything anymore. Uh, you know, maybe if I had kids, I would go. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's an annoyance. But for two games out of the year, I can live with it. It's not the end of the world. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, guys, let's move on. Three-one uh, win, Toronto FC over the Philadelphia Union. Where did that come from? Because I'm pretty sure last week on the show, I think the three of you were like, there's no way this team is going to pull out a win against a team that's second in the Eastern Conference. Enthusiastically, yeah. euf- euphemistically, enthusiastically. <laughs> I mean, the, the John clip is 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 hilarious. But yeah, we, we're all taking an L on that one. We, uh, yeah, for sure. We but had happy, zero faith. Happy to take the L on that. Um, DeAndre mm-hmm. Kerr. Uh, Jonathan Osorio and, of course, Lorenzo Insigne scoring the goals. Um, before we get into sort of just some of the some of the questions and some of the things that pull out of that game, just, Jeff, I was standing beside you for parts of the game uh, on <laughs> Saturday. Um, how did you experience sort of that? And what was sort of your reaction to, oh, we're up, oh, we're winning this game? Oh, my God. What was your reaction? 
Well, I got to see it off your face because the empty capo stand was calling to you, buddy. Like halfway through our conversation, you just, you had like the thousand yards there. And I was like, he's going up on that capo booth. And then immediately you were there. And so I was watching the game through your eyes because of positioning. Uh, you know, I was right down there in the, in, in, in the first row of, uh, of one, one, six. Uh, it was great. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, you know, we've had some time to contextualize it. And, uh, you know, I said the same thing to, to, to JMO last week's show. I said, do you think we're maybe going to see a sort of a, a new coach bump adjacent just by sheer consequence that Herman's coming in? Uh, he's bringing a whole bunch of his staff with him. They include a lot of ancillary guys that are going to be handling medical and, and sports science and that sort of thing. It's an entirely new look TFC front office well not entirely you know but as close to entirely as i think we're going to get at this juncture um and uh i i think i was proven right i mean certainly uh herdman meme mugging through the south end through uh, the beginning i can't remember it was the first half or the second half um he put everybody on notice uh but you know i i want to hear what what john says uh, after i make my second point and my second point is surprise surprise scoring first does wonderful things for game states and you don't have to chase a game. And I think that that, that is a singular fact as to why we experience success because we scored first. I mean, as a, as a gunner, um, you know, for the last two years, the, the team strategy under Arteta has been absolutely kick-ass for those first 15 minutes and try to get out ahead pace and, 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 and uh, fitness be damned because of what it does, how it affects game states. And, and we saw TFC get out at the front foot get that very, very important first goal mm. and then use it in order to sort of sustain themselves. So, you know, I, I don't think that that could be understated, but uh, uh, curious as to, as to JMO, because, you know, you said two great things uh, in, in various columns over the course of this week. And the first is uh, you're not, I think you're about 50, 50 in the Herdman knock on effect. And actually the last 10 weeks of tutelage mm. under Dunfield, finally, finally, finally paying off. So I'm curious now with some, some distance on, on that game, what, where, your, where your sort of perspective lies on whose responsibility it was. Yeah, I, I think it's more on, I, I give more of the credit to Terry and the work that he's done over the last 10 weeks. I think it just sort of all came together. And I think scoring first, I mean, I can't sort of overstate how important that was. I mean, incredibly to think about this, but it was the first time in nine games that they had taken a lead in any game like any game since the 2-1 loss away to New England on May 27th, whatever it was, which was Bob's last game. That's the last time they had a lead. And so you're quite right, Jeff. I mean, when you play from a position of strength, I, I think that just sets them up for, you know, sets them up for greater success. And what really impressed me about it too, is even when they sort of concede late in the first half and kind of against the run of play. And I would suggest, oh, yeah. a, I would suggest a bit of a preventable goal. It was kind of soft. Um, you know, if this was four or five weeks ago, you know, they would have dropped their heads and they would have essentially given up. But I like the fact that they sort of rebounded and they didn't let it get let it that get themselves discouraged. And they came out and continued to force the issue in the second half. And I just think that's look, I think having John there and having a new coach and everyone is kind of eager to impress the new coach. Sure. There's no doubt that I'm sure that was a bit of a bump, but I think it's more of a testament to the hard work that, you know, Terry's put in on the training pitch over the last two, 10 weeks. And it just finally clicking uh, against a very good Philadelphia side. Let's not forget. So mm -hmm. 
I think more of the credit just deserve, is deserving goes to uh, Terry Dunville. To say nothing of the fact you got great performance out of players like DeAndre Kerr, who I think that was his best performance in the TFC jersey to date. And mm-hmm. Alonzo Coelho, who I thought, you know, when he combined with Franco Ibarra in the center of midfield, was absolutely brilliant as a defensive shield. And even Michael Bradley playing as a center back, not his natural position, um, you know, I really have to hand it to him. So I think it was just one of those nights where it all came together. And I think a lot of the credit has to go to Terry Dunfield. Yeah, and I was going to ask about DeAndre because, you know, in this ever lasting search for a number nine that TFC have been going through this entire season. We've tried so many different options at that position, including DeAndre in other games as well, um, with limited impact, let's just say. Um, That said, DeAndre seems to be the one player that finds a way to sometimes make something out of nothing and find themselves in great positions to Mm -hmm. score goals. Do you think this bodes well for him in terms of maybe carrying that number nine position. I know he doesn't wear the shirt specifically, but um, for the rest of the season, maybe he is the guy that you continue to start with. And then you kind of experiment with guys afterwards to see who's going to fit uh, going into 2024. It's an interesting question, Michael. Um, I think to a certain degree, yes, just because when you look at the alternatives, I mean, I've been pretty unimpressed with CJ Sapong. You know, he does a lot of good things off the ball. And, you know, he can hold up play pretty well. But, I mean, he has one goal, and I can't even remember how many appearances it is, but he hasn't looked particularly dangerous. Whereas DeAndre, as you said, he can get into dangerous positions. He can make things happen. So I think you have to give the nod to him. But at the same time, you have someone like Prince Owusu, who you just signed, and you have to give him some sort of minutes as well. So, look, I expect DeAndre to get some minutes and some playing time, but I don't know that he is definitively – establish himself as the number nine for the rest of the season. I don't mm-hmm. think any of, any of the strikers on this team, you know, have that luxury or in that position. I think it's just a matter of Terry and then later John is just going to have to give a run out to all these guys and see what he has because he's got to evaluate for next season. Absolutely, absolutely. And you talked a little bit about it in the mailbag and TFC Republic. Uh, just one of the questions came in about the DPs. And look, I don't think we could go through a review of this game and not talk about the DPs. We've had a lot of conversations about how they have not lived up to the, the price tag. They haven't lived up to sort of the bill topping nature of their names, but in this game, they did. They really did in a lot of ways. Obviously Lorenzo scores the goal, but I think Federico Bernardeschi looked as live as he has looked in months, to be honest. Months. Uh, and, and, you know, it's one game, so let's, we're not drawing any kind of massive conclusions from it. But at the same time, like, I think our Flowers do have to go to the DPs in this game because they definitely stepped up when they needed to um, and really, in a lot of ways, carried the team to this result. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, yeah, as you said, I think we've all kind of been harping on their lack of production. And quite rightly, I mean, between them, they only have nine goals. I mean, Lorenzo Insigne has the same amount of goals as DeAndre Kerr, four. Uh, you don't pay someone whatever it is, $13, 14000000 million to score four, go- four goals in MLS. You know, they've been disengaged. They haven't been sort of living up to their reputations. They've been, you know, during Bob's time anyway, they were actively undermining his authority. Um, I think a lot of the reasons why the culture is so bad is because of their sort of lack of sort of professionalism, if you want to call it, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So, you know, they have rightly taken, you know, some of the blame for the current state of affairs. But you're quite right. They were absolutely brilliant on uh, last week against Philadelphia. I thought Insigne, um, 
and looked had great body language the entire time. You could see Federico Bernadeschi was probably the most involved he's been in months. Um, mm -hmm. You know, and they were just you could see that they were even Terry commented afterwards talking about, you know, in moments you could see like bits of um, glimmers of, of, of Insigne showing leadership, you know, like a team captain on the pitch. And I can recall because it happened on my side of the field of the press box during one stoppage in play. You know, Bernadeschi was pulling aside Kobe Franklin, putting his arm around his shoulder and like kind of telling him about, you know, like obviously couldn't hear the conversation, but you could do the mm -hmm. way they were talking and they were the motioning in their hands. He was telling him about, you know, this is how you want to play the ball and and not in a derisive tone, but like kind of like a teacher kind of student moment. And, you know, that's what you want to see. So I think the fact that they're more engaged, not just in the run of play, but also in stoppages and trying to get the most out of their teammates, I think that's an encouraging sign. And it's long overdue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to sort of go all over the place. Cause I've been, I've been uh, liking comments all over. Um, first for me, how much fun was that Terry Dunfield press conference? I mean, after all of those weeks of just eating, eating shit, like for, forgive my language, you know, to see him that excited, like he was, he was a, he was just like a, like an excited puppy out there. And then that back and forth that you guys were having was, was just chef's kiss. You know, I'm sure you've seen all the, all the fan edits, but it felt so good. You know, I think a lot of my joy on the night was measured against just how nice it was to see Terry flash a smile yeah. finally, you know, cause, cause the man has just been followed by a rain cloud forever and ever and ever. Uh, you know, you were in the room. How was it palpable? Like just everybody. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was like he had won the world cup. I mean, you know, he was just so happy. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, first of all, he walks into the room and before he even sits down to take a question, He's just he thrusts his arms up like, yeah, this. Like, ah, yeah finally. Yeah. You know, before, he looks at me, he's like, John, you got any good questions for me this week? And then he mm -hmm. sits and he, he did it in a very joking manner. And then he sits down and like he, it was just written all over his face. Right. And not just mm -hmm. the sense of relief, but the sense of like absolute joy and pride that it finally, you know, he finally got that win. And, you know, he could have been well within his right to sort of. Um, you know, make it all about him, but he didn't. It was all about, oh, you know, I didn't do anything. It was all the players, and, you know, we just put them in a position to succeed. And it was, you know, I've had a relationship with Terry for for quite a while now, just as a reporter, right? I've known him since mm -hmm. his playing days. And a nicer guy you won't sort of meet in Canadian soccer. And it's a real credit yeah. to not just TFC, but I think Canadian soccer in general that it, that has people like Terry Dunfield. And if, you know, I'm glad to hear that he's going to be part of John Herdman's staff because yeah. I think he's a really smart football guy and i would hate for this sort of uh you know one in eight record to taint uh any future prospects for him because i do think he has got a bright uh bright future as a manager but yeah it, it was great in that room i mean like i said the sheer joy that he came in as a, before even taking a question was absolutely priceless and as i said it couldn't happen to a nicer guy yeah and, mm -hmm. and i find it hard to how could you not root for him, right? Like yeah. you want him to do well. One, because he's a former player at this club, but also, I mean, I think a lot of us have had some kind of interaction with him, whether it be just on the pitch or you've met him out out and about. Um, you, you know that he really does care a lot about this club and, and wants this club to do well. And yeah, look, I... It, it kind of hurt to see him every week just oh. just getting absolutely battered, absolutely battered. <laughs> so, like, it, it's nice to mm -hmm. see, obviously, a smile on his face. Um, you, you talked about, you know, those sort of these 10-ish uh, weeks 
that he's been putting in with this team and finally getting that result. It, it, it's, you know, he didn't really change anything in terms of tactically, right? It's still sort of the yeah. same four through three kind of formation, generally speaking. So like, is it just like, as you said, is it just simply things just clicked in this game? Was it, was it something that he might've tweaked? Was it personnel? Like, could, because this performance is so in contrast to Columbus. I'm going to bring up, I'm going to bring yeah, up friend ahead. of all of our sites, Turts, yeah. uh, because it feeds into your question. We has, we have, I mean, I use we has all the time, so it's all good, uh, Turts. We has very clear attacking patterns of play, which I hadn't seen to this point to the season. I agree with both of those statements. So how do we contextualize this win? Because we are getting to the point where we're going to start talking about, is this repeatable? Is it sustainable? And what do we do to sort of ensure that that happens? Um, so I guess the first question is, he's right. There were, there were principles of play in that game. It looked like players knew, had, had, had triggers in terms of defending and attacking and they went there and sure there were some lucky bounces and lucky deflections. Anybody that watched the game is aware of them, but Turtz is right. Why did it take so long in our, in our opinion? And cause we're speculating, why the hell did it take so long to get here? Million dollar question. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't can't sort of give a definitive answer to that. I mean, I think, look, and I'm not going to minimize the sort of the losing streak that they've been on because it's been absolutely mm. dreadful and they played some pretty bad football as well. And they absolutely deserve to be the position that they're in. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think it's five of the eight, five of the eight losses that, that they've suffered have been by one goal. Really, it's only the New York City FC game, the five nil drubbing, which was, yeah. mm-hmm. which was like you know completely horrendous that they had totally got played on the park. Columbus mm-hmm. was bad too, but at least they were in that until the end and before they conceded late. Uh, you know, I think it was just about minimizing mistakes. I think you know, other than that opening goal, you know, just before halftime, you know, they pretty much played error-free football, and you've got. You know, solid performances, balanced performances, pretty much from everyone. Mm-hmm. As I said before, I thought you know Michael Bradley did really well in the center of defense. Um, you know, uh, partnering uh, Sigurd Roasted, which was good to see him come back and have a nice comeback mm-hmm. game as well. So impressed with Alonzo Coelho. I think he's a very mature player, and I think him playing in that sort of double pivot with Franco Ribara um, really brought the best out of him. That kind of they formed that sort of defensive shield, which did a really good job of. Not only protecting the back four, but then providing the platform by which they can sort of launch forward and attack. And then you had sort of Osorio playing in a more advanced position, linking up really well with DeAndre Kerr. So well. Yeah. And then Kerr just seemed to be, as I said, just seemed to be on the same wavelength for a change with uh, with Lorenzo yeah. and, and Federico. So it just all came together. I, I mean, think it makes sense to share reps. Share those reps. Yeah, yeah share yeah, those reps. You gotta share those reps, you know? <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> I thought we weren't gonna talk about it too. Yeah, no, we're not gonna talk about it. We're not gonna talk argument. about it. But... Um Boom Boomslang brings up something uh interesting, and I've heard this comment often. Uh Philly had a bad game too, uh, mm. didn't they? As good as we were. I see that point, but I will raise you this. Getting the, the lead early is so important. And I think we're seeing that writ large on this game. Philly didn't, they expected to walk all over us. And when, and when we, we hit them first, they didn't have an answer. And sometimes it really is as simple as that. Like when you strike first, 
when a team expects you to roll over and play dead, you know, you can upset the apple cart. Their their game plan didn't include us being good. You know what I mean? So they had they had nothing nothing really to fall back on and and you know, we're waiting for a hydration break or halftime to reassess and and we just didn't give them the opportunity. Uh you know, I had some other notes and they and and they're starred here as well because I'm playing the uh, the star game. And before I forget it, Nathan's uh, comment it was good to see a win. MB4 did well to organize the back line. I think his career is now extended a few more seasons playing CB. And I, I think we're opening up a can of worms here because 2018, Michael Bradley at center back and he still he had more gas in the tank in 2018. That cannot be disputed. That's undisputable. Had a big problem with balls over the top. I mean, that undid him. And a center back cannot be that uh, uh, vulnerable to one of two ways you're going to pass a ball into the box. It's either on the carpet or, or above the head. <laughs> um, do you agree with that statement? And and why was Sigurd Rostad, who had zero confidence, why was he so good in that in that two-man back line with, with MB4, who has such deficiencies? Like, did we unlock a... a kind of magic secret or what or can we just say small sample size forget it um you know he his his danish girlfriend just did give birth to their first child so maybe that had something to do with it he's a, he's a new father uh, yeah he's got the fresh um, now. Bounce. So, so there's that i you know i i don't think he's a bad player i mean i you know i appreciate that he's had suffered through, through some form uh poor form this year but um that's not unlike any other player really at tfc and i think he, it hasn't helped that he's had to sort of work with a variety of dif- different defensive partners. I would, li- I think if he can get a consistent run of games with a consistent center back partner, or he's playing in a consistent back four and a back three, then he could be, you know, a pretty good piece at this team. Um, with regards to Michael, look, I think he's filled in pretty admirably the last two games at center back. And I think in a pinch when you need him to fill in in that position, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't think this has extended his career by any sense. I don't think his long-term, sort of prospects or at the center back position. He's a, he's a midfielder. That's his position. I agree. Yeah. You want yeah. him in the center of the park where he can sort of direct things and just kind of be that midfield general and have a real influence on games. And, you know, he can mm-hmm. have an influence defensively uh, when he's playing in as a center back, but I just think you, you gain so much more, if nothing more than steadying presence in the center of the park when he's, when he's deployed as a central midfielder. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. the, the key to him always has been, or at least in the last couple of years, is try to minimize the amount of running he has to do in the middle of the park, right? Make sure that Andre Perlo. All the way. Exactly. Like um, deep lying, deep lying playmaking midfielder. Why exactly. not? Exactly. We just you know, haven't been just, able to do yeah. that. And he's been exposed a lot um, because of that, because, you know, he is 36 and, and he's got 36 year old legs, even though he's still an absolute terminator in terms of his fitness. Um, I wanted to talk about two players. Um, specifically um and they're both our outside backs but i'll start with kobe franklin because i thought if there's a sort of breakout game a player is going to have as a young player this might have been it for him in terms of just the way that he played both defensively but also the balls he was playing and you talked a little bit and maybe this gives a little bit of insight into those balls but you know obviously having that arm around with Federico Bernadeschi talking about mm. how to play those balls he looked it, it looked like he took another he's taken a few steps up this season obviously in the minutes that he's played but it looks like he took another leap uh in terms of his ability to to play on this first team and maybe cement himself um as a first choice right back for this team um maybe John just in terms of your observations of the game maybe talk a little bit about Kobe and, and sort of what sort of impressed you about his performance on Saturday? I thought it was his best game for TFC by far. I mean, he's always been 
um, I think very good at getting forward, but it's kind of like that final ball, that final pass has kind of been lacking quality. And I think, you know, one of the things that Bob is kind of impressed upon him, I mean, last, last year in preseason was about him wanting to become mm-hmm. more defensively sound. I think this year was more about becoming, adding that sort of attacking element to the game in terms of the final product. And I think we saw that against Philadelphia. I mean, that ball that he played oh. for Bernadeschi, oh. you know, we that was stupid. unbelievable. You should have heard the yeah. gasps in this, like, right. in, in this section. Like there were gasps when he made that right. pass. Yeah. And that was, and that was after the sort of the like the arm around the shoulder moment. And then too, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to minimize it, but the the cross that he played for Osorio yes. the was pretty picturesque as well. So it was great to see him adding those sort of attacking elements. He's always been an attack-minded player, but adding those sort of final balls that really lead to something. And I think that was kind of the thing that he needs, he needs to do to get to that next level in terms of sort of establishing himself as the regular starting right fullback. But I thought it was outstanding. It was, it was great to see, especially for a kid like that who, um, you know, when he didn't make the jump last season from TFC2 to TFC, the senior team, I mean, there was a little bit of disappointment on, on his sort of regard that he had to spend another, you know, season in MLS next pro, but, you know, didn't let that deter him. And I think he's, you know, he's quite, he's quite positively, you know, proven himself that he can play at this level this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, it's, it, it's funny when you talk about a year full of disappointment, right? A year that just hasn't turned out the way you thought it would. It was probably a player that no one really thought would be that kind of an impact player on the team, probably yeah. having the best season um, for TFC, realistically. Like, I think he's probably one, if not, you can maybe give an award to DeAndre Kerr to a certain extent uh, mm. in terms of just having that season that is like, okay, here's a positive. This is a real positive that's come out of um, a season where a lot of players, a lot, especially a lot of the senior players, have not really performed up to the level mm. that I think everybody would have expected them to. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the season that Jaden Nelson had last year or Luca Petrasso too. I mean, I don't think anyone really saw them saw them no. They would have like the strong seasons that they did last year. And I I mean, I thought Kobe would be a nice complimentary piece this year. I certainly didn't expect him to sort of perform at the level that he has. So it's it's a nice story and it's good to see for such a young player who, you know, came up through the academy and then, you know, graduated to TFC2 and now is with the senior team. He's kind of followed the path that you know, they aspire that they want for all their kids that they're developing. So it's it's a great sign to see. Absolutely. And before yep. we just jump back into the comments here, because I know Jeff, you've got a few starred there. Uh, no, move move up. to the move to the left. I want to talk about yeah uh, Petretta's best game in a TFC Ooh. shirt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean that, that yeah, that's it, right? It was his best game, I think, in a Toronto Easily. shirt. I, I I felt like for the first time he actually felt fully connected to the team. It felt like mm-hmm. you know there were games where he played well. Uh, or played decently and the team was a little behind or, you know, vice versa. Um, but I felt like this, again, was a game where, you know, you could say everybody from to 1 to 11 essentially was connected. But this was a game where I felt like you really felt his his impact as a left back yep. connecting with Lorenzo Insigne. On both sides of the ball. I think, yeah. I mean, going forward, absolutely brilliant. But I mean, I think if, I can't remember if it was the first five minutes or maybe it was the first yes. two minutes. He makes that sort of recovery run in that last ditch tackle. Yeah you know, right in the, in the six-yard box to prevent a goal. You know, if Philly scores that game, that goal and goes up one nothing inside the first five minutes, we might be having an entirely different <laughs> well, mm-hmm. like, A lot more again. frowns. Yep. Yeah. Here we go again. So, yeah. so I was really impressed with him. I, 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 you're quite right, Michael. I thought it was his best game for TFC on such a solid two-way display, both from an attacking mm-hmm. perspective, 
linking up with Lorenzo quite effectively on that left-hand side in attack. But also defensively, I think he was just so sound. So again, a really stand-up performance from the Italian. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Mike hacks out a lung. Let's uh, let's go yeah. to another one of the uh, the comments. Um, do, 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 uh, no, nothing really there. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to some of my chicken scratch notes. Um, Perusa scored today. Was it today or yesterday? I can't even remember. Uh, for one, that would have been today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it's today. Nice, nice little, nice little goal too. The kind of, the kind of sort of uh, uh, distant shot, you know, that we saw him do. He score so much on, uh, for TFC two. Um, once again, the questions are being asked. Can do you think this guy can do it on the first team in in MLS? I, I like Jordan. He's a good kid. Juventus fan, so he's a guy with, with uh, you know, after my own heart. Um, mm. I, you know, at this point, I think it might be best for him to sort of move out of Toronto to go elsewhere to get out of the Toronto bubble, whether that's in MLS, whether that's in the CPL, USL, mm. whatever. I mean, I do think he, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I think, I think he's gone as far as he can with TFC. And I just think that, you know, the team with the situation that they're in, with, you know, they're in desperate need of proven goal scorers. I don't think yeah. I'd like to lead the line. I think they're they're going to go after guys who have a track record of scoring. And you know, with all due respect to Jordan, he hasn't shown that during his time at TFC. So I think it might be time. It's probably the best thing for him, like to move on and get out of Toronto and where he can start uh, mm-hmm. really moving on with his career. Yeah, I think this. Yeah, he he would be so far. Sorry. Yeah, because no, no, he'd be saying. so far down that depth chart. It's right. crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, and and Chemi. What what do we what do we think about about Temi? Um, I can't pronounce oh, his last name. I've tried a million zillion yeah. times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Antonoglu. Yeah, Antonoglu. I mean, there we go. Yeah, I was you know I, I I watched a fair bit of TFC two last year and not so much this year, but I was really impressed with him. I thought he was a really solid player who can play a variety of different positions. Um, bit disappointed that he didn't get more playing time this year. I would have thought he would have had more opportunities, and you know he's basically. You know, the start against, what was it, Columbus, I think was his first or second of the season. Uh, he spent a lot of time with TFC, too, again, playing on the weekend. Um, maybe it's just a matter of needing more time um, just because he's still a you know a pretty young player and he just needs more reps to sort of get up to speed. But I, I mm-hmm. do think there's there's something there that, you know, potentially he can be, uh, you know, a regular contributor. Maybe not a first-team regular starter, but someone who – you bring off the bench is maybe first or second choice, you know, when you need to mm-hmm. add some fresh legs. I, I think he just needs a little bit more time in terms of gaining experience and, and needs more reps to, you know, really kind of become a seasoned pro. Where do you see him? Where do you see him operating out of? Because uh, G Money raises a point. The worry I have for the kids like Temi that are locked into one position is they'll be hard pressed to get playing time if we bang, bring bigger quality in. I mean, that's not a TFC specific problem. That's a, that's a sure. soccer global problem but do you see Temi as having an assigned position I see him as a bit more of a utility player at this level now is that does that speak to a certain measure of incompetence at the front office for not finding out where he plays and forcing him to be a utility player or do you think that that's sort of uh 50 50 six one way half dozen the other I think it's more a six of one halfway. I mean, I think his versatility is something that benefits him I think that's not a knock on him I think the fact that he can play cool. Uh, you know, a, a number of different positions in the modern game. You you need that, right? I mean, hell, we see, we're seeing Michael Bradley play as a center back. Um, 
I think pigeonholing a guy into he's a left back, he's a right back, he's a, a wing back, he's a left sided central midfielder. In this day and age, it, it you know I think the more the more versatility you can bring, the better. So I don't think him being able to play, um, be, him being able to play uh, a variety of positions, and him looking at him saying, you know, we think he's a central midfielder. I don't think that it, that necessarily works against him. I think that works in his favor. Hmm. Interesting. And, and yeah. to just go back in terms of just Bruiser really quickly, like I, yeah. I agree with you, John. I really do think that this loan is the best thing for him. Right. I think him getting out of town, getting out of his comfort zone, playing on a team that is fighting for something, you know, the Wanderers, not to make this a CPL chat really quickly, but are, are fighting for a playoff spot right. um, in the Canadian Premier League. So every game right now matters for them. They lost today against York, but he did score. Um, yeah, I think it's good for him. And and then he can kind of figure out that maybe there's life beyond Toronto FC, right, in terms of his career. Because as, as talented as I think he is, and I think he's very talented and he could be a leading striker for any team, I, I really think he needs to think about doing that somewhere else and getting real minutes to play. Uh, and, and whether that's in the Canadian Premier League or it's USL where he's had success before, um, mm-hmm. or another MLS club that's willing to sort of take a shot at him and say like, Hey, you're our guy. And, and you sort of run things. Uh, I do think there are times where a lot of the young Toronto FC players do have to eventually say like, you got to fly the coop. Right. And, and yeah, it's not enough successful yeah. ones generally have, right. They've left the coop and either they come back to the club or they find success, uh, success elsewhere and end up on the national mm-hmm. team. So, you know, for, for players like Peruza, I don't think Temi's there yet, but, you know, who knows? You know, there is life outside of the club. It get, right. it, it, I get it. It's very easy to stay here. It's very comfortable. You know everybody. You're close to home and close to your family. And TFC treat their young players really well in terms of being paid, in terms of taking care of them at the facilities, things like that. It's hard to find that. Everything except clubs. giving them playing time, like proper reps. Well, you know, I, I mean, mean, if look, I'm if I'm Jordan Peruzza, I'm having an existential crisis because the one thing that this team has been screaming for all year is a number nine. Hey, I'm a number nine. I'm on the books and I'm getting garbage minutes here, garbage minutes there. You know, it's understood that strikers are the most streaky, the most, you know, uh, 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 susceptible to to mood and, and phase of the moon and also the most susceptible to regular reps you know so while we're sitting here going we don't have a striker and he's not getting regular minutes that to me would be the cause of many many sleepless nights so i'm very very happy that he's sort of out of that cauldron of 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 existential hurt you know yeah but but i would and i'd love to get your thought on this in in response to that jeff is you know how our, how we are as fans, right? Like we want the biggest mm. and the best at this club, right? We want the we want to sign Messi. We didn't sign Messi. Okay, let, let's go get Ibrahimovic. Let's go get Lukaku. Yeah, let's go yeah. get let's go get the biggest names that we possibly can. Like that's how our fan base right now works. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, right? Like who who wouldn't want to go sign these guys? When Lorenzo Insigne, when those rumors started up, everybody's like, who wouldn't make that signing nine times out of ten if he becomes a free and he's willing to come, right? Jim, I wonder, though, in terms of the way that fans think about these kind of things, is it is it for us to maybe adjust those expectations a little bit and to say, like, hey, we have a young player coming through our academy who has a lot of talent. We should be patient with that player and give them time to develop. And I'm not talking a, like a stretch of like five games and then it's done. Like mm. it may have to be a season for them to really <clears throat> grasp it or maybe even two. You know, do, do, do fans... 
should fans adjust those expectations or you know is it just hey look go get the best players we can because it's tfc and we've got the money to do so yeah i mean I, i'm uncomfortable telling fans what to think <laughs> to be perfectly honest yeah like, no. yeah, um, yeah, yeah but i mean I, I don't think it's terribly reasonable to say to fans that you know especially with the state of the club at the end because we're talking about a third year where they haven't made the playoffs to to say to them look we're going to bring Jordan back or we're going to bring Iowa and Ole back and we're going to let them run with it next year. Like they're going to be our two guys up front and just, you know, no matter how it goes, we're going to stick with it because, you know, we're, th- you know, That's we're, fair. we're invested in them. I mean, how well would that go over? I mean, I, I, Let's you, guys are close, you guys are closer to the supporters than I am, but I suspect that wouldn't go over all that it well. Right? Uh-uh. So, um, I, I, you know, and look, it's, it's nice to think that you can sort of, bring up guys who have come up through your system through the academy to tfc2 to go into the first team and they're going to be like lead the charge and lead the way and, and sometimes that does happen i mean we've you know the team has produced some pretty substantial players who have come up through the ranks and gone on to you know first team success but it doesn't happen all the time and and again with going back to jordan and not to beat a dead horse i just mm-hmm. think he needs to get out of the toronto bubble i mean he's he's someone who you know was born here spent bulk most of his time here Aside from going to Italy briefly in his in his, his youth team career, um, it, it could be that the best thing for him is just to get out of here and just start fresh. And you know, I've watched a couple of um, HFX games this year. I've been impressed with him. I know today was only his first goal, but he's played really well. I mean, the game against I believe was Forge, where I thought he was outstanding. I mean, he won the penalty. Um, he was just a really solid contributor. So you know, mm-hmm. maybe that maybe that is. Maybe that's where he has to be is being like the lead guy on a, on a strong CPL team um, just in terms of reinvigorating his career. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I could talk for, for years about how I think it's, it's, it's naive to expect uh, any team, any professional team to, to promote from the Academy unilaterally. Right. That just doesn't happen in global football. It's not going to happen in MLS, but I also think TFC has a huge hole between the second team and the first team, and they don't. They've got a. They, they ha- hopefully, this is something Herdman addresses in his tenure. But mm. there has to be a better path than just garbage minutes. There has to be a bit more trust in in the youth to make their mistakes. I mean, obviously, when you're staring down a wooden spoon and you're on your third coach, and and in as many years, um, all of that goes out the window. But I, I'd like to think that when we do reach, because we didn't see it off the back of. 2017 we didn't have enough time really like you know mm. we we started buying the Vanderveels and the and, and getting rid of the beta shores and getting too big for our britches uh but i i think that that's the next real evolution of this club is a is is not necessarily guaranteeing all academy kids a space on the first team but giving them a better chance to to, to spread their wings and shine in that in that environment because i think that decisions are made too willy-nilly you know i have uh, the comment came up from Casey, you know, and I, 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 I always will argue this because, you know, I think it's myopic to say, well, everyone does better when they leave Schaff, Lufus, Cough. You know, we weren't paying playing uh, the Gary Smith system. They were superfluous to say nothing right. about who was who was 
occupying their spot on the first team. So the fact that they got better, ignore, like they got better, ignores the fact that maybe, you know, somebody who is as direct as Jacob Schaffelberg thrives in a system that is all about the counterattack as opposed to TFC, which was trying to be this sort of like hybrid possession based team, you know, wh- where someone with the name Lorenzo Insigne was kind of blocking his, his, his minutes. So yeah. um, I, I always, I always take issue with that, but, but at the end of the day, I don't take issue with the idea that I don't think, uh, uh, TFC has been too fair to their academy. I don't think they've used them necessarily in the best way. Um, and I think that that's something moving forward that the team needs to address because certainly when you look at, at you know, what, what we're producing and what we're getting out of it, it, it the, the ends don't justify the means. And the whole point of having this academy was to, to, was to, for the ends to justify the means. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a fair criticism. I think, I think they could certainly do a little bit better in terms of, you know, blooding the the youngsters into into the into the first team and giving them more opportunities and maybe not cutting bait with them so quickly. I mean, I think, you know, for me, Ralph Prizo was one of the most promising prospects that they had, and mm-hmm. I get that you wanted to bring in Mark Anthony K, but my God, to, to sort of trade away that piece um, in such a block and give up so much to get Mark Anthony K, and then he barely lasts a year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that's a trade that, in in retrospect the club regrets, you know, making, but then you got guys like Jaden Nelson, who, you know, does quite well last year, has a really good sort of season and he gets sold off to Norway and the team in Norway and the team turns a profit. So, I mean, yeah, you know, and, and by all, by all accounts, you know, Jaden wanted to like move abroad. So, I mean, I think that even though, you know, it was really only his one season last year, he was a regular starter and then he ended up going, you know, going elsewhere. I still think that has to be considered Mm -hmm. success and, Know, good on TFC for giving him that chance and then selling him on. But I think you're right, Joe. I mean, I do think the club has to do a little bit better of a job of that in terms of incorporating the young kids in the lineup and, and yeah. just more of a chance. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, I mean, Turtz is saying Prizo hasn't done anything since his injury. And and I think that's, yeah, but, a, that's a point. Sure. But sure. I also think Prizo became a trade block because uh, you had the unfortunate circumstance of being on the same team as Io Akinola and both of them right. were having trouble getting over their injuries. Uh, they had made a much more significant investment in IO and they wanted, they, they sort of hedged their bets on IO and we all know how that worked out. But right. I, I do think that that under, you know, if, if I, if you put a gun to my head and asked me one of the reasons that Ralph was moved one, there weren't a lot of trade chips. I mean, no one was trading sure. for IO. Right. Uh, but, uh, and I think the other one is that he just had the, the misfortune of being being on the same squad at the same time as Iowa and all the both right. over injuries at the same time. Yeah. And I and I think that's what happened with Schaffelberg. I mean, I know a lot of people were pissed off about when that trade was made, but you know, at the time he was playing behind Lorenzo Insigne. So mm-hmm. you know, like uh, you know, with all due respect to Jacob, I, and I know Lorenzo was kind of, you know, had his issues this year. I mean, if it comes down to Lorenzo Lorenzo Insigne or Jacob Schaffelberg, especially after they paid him you know, that boatload of money, I can certainly understand why, you know, yeah, you know, exactly. So, um, you know, in some cases you're, you're just going to fall prey. You know, you're going to, a young player is going to lose out like that because there's a more experienced established player ahead of him in, in, in the, um, in the pecking order. And for Jacob's case, I don't think there's any question that the move has worked out the best for him in terms of his own personal. Amazing. So, you know, everyone wins really. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's move into a little bit of a mailbag uh, with Jamo. We have some uh, questions. Oh, that came you left in. Before Sorry. you do that, you 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 skipped the 
is and I, I was oh, really yeah. looking forward yeah. to this one. Go ahead. Go, yeah. no, go ask. Go ahead. Go ahead. Ask, yeah. Is this is this the worst time possible for a two week break for TFC? Because I I, I already answer yes. I mean, uh, we just that? caught. Well, we just caught some form, and now we got another two week break. And uh, if you remember the three weeks that we were supposed to rest and recharge post League's Cup and how flat we came out afterwards, I've just it mm. seems that this you know we personally at the beginning of the season i was worried about fixture congestion with the league's cup and the breaks and all the international shenanigans and etc 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 the reality has been there's been several times in this season where we seem to stop dead for an extended period of time i don't think it's ever a good idea to stop Mm -hmm. the campaign for two weeks in the middle of your campaign and we keep doing it and this is off the back of a pretty encouraging victory I mean, is there any other answer than this is a terrible time to take another two weeks off, or or would you throw some some water on on my fire of discontent? I, I, I take your point. I, I would throw a little bit of, of water on the fire in that it does give them a chance to get a little bit healthy. I mean, Shane O'Neill is is going through the concussion protocol, and that can sometimes take more than one or two weeks. So it gives mm-hmm. him a little bit more time to kind of go through that process and be healthy. Because if he doesn't, then you know, Michael Bradley will probably have to continue to play at center back or, you know, God help TFC, TFC if they have to slot in Ame Mabika back in there. Because <laughs> he's been absolutely dreadful the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think who else is, oh, Latif Blessing, you know, dealing with a lower body injury and he played for TFC too last Friday. So it gives him, it gives, um, Cash my it gives, uh, gives O'Neal, it gives, I mean, who knows if Christian Gutierrez is ever going to get healthy again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gives those guys a little bit more time to sort of get match fit and whatnot. And so, you know, not the worst thing in the world, but I take your point. I mean, when you're winning, you want to play and you're kind of get some momentum finally. Yeah. And you have to yeah. shut it down for two weeks. Yeah, that's not ideal. But, you know, they're, they're really not in a position to do anything about it, right? It's just the way things <laughs> True enough. Hey, True Jeff, enough. remember last week we were complaining about uh, lower leg injury FC, so another two weeks right. so that these guys can yeah. get, yeah. uh, the guys can get healthy. Okay, a couple of questions here in the mailbag for you, J-Mo. Um, and if you do have mm-hmm. a question uh, for J-Mo, feel free to type it into the chat if you're watching. Yeah, now's the time. Yeah, now's the time to type those questions in. I think a few came. Did uh, I star some of them before yeah. we started? So uh, if Jeff, you can go back and star some of those, mm-hmm. that'd be awesome. That's what I'm doing. Um, but the first question I'm going to ask here um, is actually from you, Jeff. Just in, uh, do you expect Toronto FC under John Herdman to sign more Canadian national team players to the roster? Big off season coming up. I know we've talked about that already, uh, but now with John Herdman at the helm of the club, do you think there's going to be more of an emphasis? on uh, trying to get some national team players into the fold at TFC. You're asking me or you're asking Jeff? Oh, please. No, I'm asking ask you. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's something that, um, you know, even before John has come here, I mean, it, it's something that, you know, Bill Manning has talked about in terms of wanting to get more Canadian national team members on the team, especially with 2026 coming, right? I mean, I think just from a commercial perspective, to hear, you know, guys, you know, say if, I don't know, say if Lucas Cavallini somehow comes back to MLS and he plays with TFC, and then to hear him referred to as a TFC player during the 2026 World Cup, you know, you can't buy that kind of advertising. Um, now, it has to make sporting sense as well, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it's something that, just knowing from having the conversations I've had with Bill, it's probably something that they want to do. And I think Herdman... You know, he knows a lot of these players, right? He's coached them. I think in the most part, he has their sort of respect and their um, 
their admiration. So I don't, I don't see, you know, why he wouldn't want to bring them aboard. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Would you, would you feel the same way if he was sort of giving contracts to the junior Hoylets of the world? I mean, junior's my man, but you know, without a club right now, obviously well over the age of 30, you know, the same could be said of the Steven, the Steven Vittorias of the world or some of the other, you know, people that, that are in John's, orbit that he may feel a a need to sort of give a thank you contract to now i'm not gonna i'm not gonna uh what skincare routine (laughs) casey uh 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 what was i gonna say um sorry casey just completely knocked me off my socks there uh 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 what would you feel the same way if if we're bringing in players like uh like the 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 junior hoylets or the steven vittorias do you think that 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 fulfills a need or that those that creates a a a golf no i think that creates a golf as i said i mean i'm all for bringing canadians uh into the tfc if that's what they want to do but as i said it has to be for sporting reasons right i mean just sort of rewarding guys for their past services you know that's not enough good reason and for junior um yeah, I mean, he's what, 32, 33? Uh, does he really sort of address a positional need for TFC? I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, so it, it doesn't make sense. I think you have to sort of, it's got to make sense, uh, obviously, in terms of on the field from a, from a sporting perspective. And also you know, the commercial aspects are secondary, in my, in, my, in my opinion. But, you know, Junior, and I'm not sort of, I don't want to pick on Junior. I think he's a quality player. I just don't think he's the... I don't think he really helps TFC in terms of, you know, their greatest sort of area of need right now is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, there is a, there are a couple of players taking up positions that he would traditionally play already. So unless you're going right. to be moving some DPs, um, don't know where he exactly plays. And I don't think he's coming here to be a bench player. That's um, right. Exactly. From that perspective. Exactly. Um, G uh, money. I got more. Ask, yeah. Yeah. I just, if you don't mind, I'm just going to ask this one here from, from G money. Here, sure. Just in the chat. He's just asking about um, Cozy Thompson. Obviously, if you're not aware, um, transferred to Lillestrom um, last week. Um, I, I think it's a loan with a purchase to buy uh, mm-hmm. or option to buy. Excuse me. Uh, do we have any word on what that amount would be for the purchase? Uh, has, has that been? I don't think I didn't see anything. I haven't. I haven't seen course. anything. I mean, I Meaning. assume it would be low six figures. I mean, that's just an educated guess. Um, yeah. You know, I hope it works out for him. Um, you know, and if, you know, when I heard the news, I just thought, well, that's kind of random. <laughs> you know, the team from Norway would be interested in Kosi, and that's no sort of offense to Kosi. I just thought that's kind of coming out of no- nowhere, just considering. It's coming out of Norway. <laughs> yeah, it's coming out of nowhere, considering the season mm-hmm. he's had. He hasn't been, you know, I thought last season he was looked pretty decent. This year it's been, eh, you know, um, but Fair play to him. I mean, he's getting this loan. It's a great opportunity, and if he can get regular playing time and impress and move on to a hot, you know, to a top European league, not Serie A or the Bundesliga, but it's still pretty good. Then fair play mm-hmm. to him. I hope it works out for him. Perfect. Okay. Uh, why do you think? Oh, I like this this uh, this new adventure we're having here. Uh, why do you think Herdman is joining the team with three games left? That well, comes from I think it's Alex C. Yeah, I think a lot of the thing is it's people are sort of worried about, um, you know, October 1st and they're sort of reading all kinds of things into it, right? I think it's just mostly just a, it's mostly just a consideration to Canada soccer, right? I mean, he still had years left on his contract. If he were to leave tomorrow, then he's leaving them really in a lurch, mm-hmm. um, you know, and so 
I think it's a compromise, right? They're letting him out of his contract early, but he's sort of sticking around a little bit longer to help, you know, assistant Mauro Biello, who's worked on Durham for several years, you know, just sort of passing along some institutional knowledge and, and, you know, getting him ready for, you know, there's what nation's league uh, in November. So I think it's just a courtesy out of John. It's really just a compromise and, you know, fair play to, I mean, and fair play to Canada soccer too. Like if they wanted, they could really play hardball with him and not release him. But you know they are, and so they're getting you know a month, what a month, five weeks out of his life to stay on. It's a pretty fair compromise, I think. And so I don't think people should be too bad out of shape over it. Yeah, and then yeah. David Perrot on Twitter asked essentially the same question of, of why doing that, and and I think it makes sense, right? Like he's like you said under contract, right. he is going to be involved in terms of getting Mauro Biello up to speed. I mean, in terms of getting ready for the October friendlies, um, the October window. Um, mm-hmm. and, and at that point, you know, he still, he still has stuff to do, right? Like it's like any other job, right? And of course being the national team manager is a little bit more than two weeks notice, but you know, yeah, I think from that perspective, there's no, to me, there's really no rush for him to get to TFC anyway. I mean, yes, yeah. I, I get it. Like, it would be great if, you know, he could come in now and, and sort of get time with the players and assess. But um, he's going to be pretty much at, like, every home game, essentially right. watching them play, right? So from that perspective, and, and I'm sure he'll be around the training ground. He normally is from a national team perspective anyway. Uh, so mm-hmm. from that perspective, he will be in and around the team. He's just officially not able to right. do things until October 1st. And I think the other thing, Michael, is, is like, you know, he's confirmed that Terry Dunfield is going to be on like his first team staff. As an yeah, great so, point. You know, he's going to be in constant communication with Terry. I don't think he's going to be saying, well, this is how I want like the 11 start, like the starting 11. And this is how I think you should play. But, you know, he's going to be getting regular reports from from Terry in terms of, you know, getting his feedback on things. So he's going to be connected to someone who's going to be a part of his staff going forward. So I think that's an important sort of part to remember about this as well. Yeah. I have a question before we get to Richards, which is a yeah. belter. He, he wrote, he one. just wrote out a cork of a question. I realized that we euphemistically uh, said no last week. Um, do we think TFC has got another couple wins in them? A couple wins. Uh... Mm. I'd like to see more than one, you know, John. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to see more than one as well. We're talking about more than one. Uh, well, look, they got to play in Miami, which you know, yeah. one of the, on the road and you know i don't see them getting anything out of that game considering that might suck yeah yeah um you know is it possible sure you know anything is possible but you know i don't think i'm i don't think i'm being terribly unfair in saying that we haven't seen anything close to resembling consistency from this team over the last couple months Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. inconsistent but not consistently good or anything like that so yeah the philadelphia performance was encouraging and i think that's should give people a lot of hope that they are capable of playing like a unified team. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, can they do that consistently, especially now that they're on this break and do it repeatedly over and over again with so much that's gone on behind the scenes? I don't know. I mean, I, I would, I would bet against it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if they, get, if they can, let me put it this way. If they can get two more wins out of their final, or is it seven games, eight games? Yeah, about that. I think it's seven, seven or eight games. Yeah. Okay. If they can get two wins, then I think you take that and run. I mean, you take the money and run. Yeah. Anything more yeah, than 100%. that, I would be absolutely stunned. Like if they get somehow get three or four wins, that would blow me away. 
if they get through mm. a four win, okay, but no, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going there. I'm no, there was. There. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, there. yeah. I was gonna go there. I mean, we won't we, realize it yeah. was ridiculous. Don't go there. I think Don't if we there. get two wins, we're still wooden spoon territory. But uh, sure. Columbus are pretty. Yeah. Columbus are pretty pretty awful. Or sorry, Colorado are pretty pretty awful this right. this year, unfortunately. Um. Uh. Okay. Uh, here's here's the one. Richard Greenberg. I'm actually gonna post this one up because it's so good. John, when did you realize that Bob Bradley wouldn't work out with TFC? And do we need to ask you this question in a year? <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah. God, when did I realize? Probably. I'd probably say, <clears throat> well, let me put it this way. I, I don't know that I would say uh, that it wouldn't work out, but like when I kind of knew that it was, you know, the end was pretty near was after the Austin game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when Bernadeschi kind of spoke out afterwards and like I was on that Zoom call and like the rant that he went on against Bob without saying his name was totally mm -hmm. uh, sort of provoked. Like we didn't sort of say anything. We didn't say, you know, what did you think of Bob's coaching or anything like that? He sort of went on that rant totally on his own. And mm -hmm. for a player of his caliber and his stature to sort of, of sound off on like that whether right or wrong um i think it's trouble at the hen house yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah. i mean i just kind of and you know you, you heard rumblings before then about disunity and everything and i'm not discounting that but the fact that it was so blatant and open and out in the public you just thought god where are they going to go from here like how could bob possibly can kind of continue on it was just mm -hmm. and through no fault i mean i'll say through no fault of bob's on his own because i don't think anyone deserves to be sort of called out like that by one of his players if you know yeah you have those conversations behind the scenes but you know the fact that Bernadeschi was so unapologetically un, you know brazen about it you know calling his coach out and then you know three days later I talked to him one-on-one -on -one, expecting him maybe he walks it back right maybe he says well it was a you know I was frustrated or mm. whatnot I mean it he doubled down he doubles down yeah doubles yeah down. I remember that same thing so it's like I guess you know after that I just thought I just don't see how it's possible for you know Bob to, to re retain his position. I just think it's mm -hmm. it's beyond him now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've been trying to recontextualize, and I'll always remember it was uh, it was an all for one before they stopped doing it. Now they they started doing it again because we're winning. But it was an all for one. It was a training session, and it was a it was a medium wide shot uh, of. Lorenzo going to sit down on a bench with Bob and Bob was like, good one. It's nice, you know, watching you interact with all the young players and stuff like that. And it just sounded like the, like a grandfather trying to like, you know, hello fellow kids. Like it was just, it just, it seems so awkward and uncomfortable and it gave me a bad taste in my mouth when I watched it in the moment. And now that I'm trying to recontextualize it, uh, you know, that to me was maybe the first moment where I was like, yeah, there's, you know, there, there's, there's a, there's a gap and, mm. and it, it looks like it's like an immovable object needing an, uh, 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 whatever the euphemism is. I always screw that one up. <laughs> um, whatever it is, I'll find a better way to describe it, but yeah, a clash of personalities. And, and mm. that to me was my first clue. And then also the fact that, you know, Bob Bradley was a pioneer in many, many ways. And that, and that Swansea trip, you know, no one's going to turn it down, but you know, how quick, the Euro snobs were to dismiss him out of turn uh, mm. and, and just, and then seeing it kind of repeated 
you know, in, in a nauseating way here in TFC with European players kind of reaching for that shorthand. You know, I don't have to respect this guy. Blah, blah, blah. It is, I have historical precedent. So once I saw that that apple cart kind of rolling, I was like, oh, man, I don't know if, if there's any saving this kind of thing. But I'll, I'll own up to my own resistance because, you know, Bob's pedigree spoke for itself. And, and as a fan of this club for so long, this was like the boss fight, you know, getting Bob in mm-hmm. to work with, with Michael was, was the, was the end result of so much of that we've been working for. So I was very reluctant to let go of that, of that dream personally. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just, just to, it, it was a big deal getting Bob Bradley. I mean, let's not forget who, you know, the previous Thanks, coach Alex. was, I mean, you went from, you know, sort of Chris Armas and, um, and Javier Perez and, and no disrespect to them, but they're not at the same class mm-hmm. as Bob. Bradley, you're getting you were getting a you know an MLS coach of the year, an MLS Cup champion, one of the most successful coaches in league history, a guy who's coached at the World Cup, who's coached in you know in leagues in France and England. So it was a big mm-hmm. get. And you know, you I can understand why TFC gave him as long as as they did, right? Because you don't want to sort of cut bait with a guy like that after one bad season. You want to give him enough rope to see if he can turn it around. Um and as I said previously, I mean, there were some things working against Bob in terms oh, of, yeah. you know, the Italian DPs trying to undermine him that, you know, mm-hmm. the amount of injuries that they've dealt with the last two seasons is just, I mean, astronomical, you know, yeah. they've got to get that straight because that absolutely hurt them. But, mm. you know, and, and I like Bob, I, I, I you know, <laughs> I know to some, he might come across as this grumpy old gruff guy, but I found him to be quite personable and I quite, you know, enjoy chatting football with him. I had a lot of time for him, but yeah. you know, and I, you know, honestly, I would have liked to have seen him succeed. But there were some missteps as well. I mean, there were some really bad trades, and just some yeah. this idea about you know in the off season putting so much focus on strengthening the starting eleven to the extent that you know the bench was an afterthought, and you know the team's lack of depth. I mean, yeah, the, we we knew it. Yeah. You don't construct a team like that. You need proper balance. And that's one of the things that has really hurt this team throughout this year is the lack of, of roster balance. And yeah. Yeah. bringing in guys like Adama Diamande, who, who hasn't worked out, or trading for Mark Anthony Kay and it not working out. Um, you know, trading away Lucas McNaughton and bringing in, um, you know, CJ Sapong. Yeah. You know, these are all, with all due respect to Bob, these are all, you know, pretty questionable moves. Um mm-hmm. And I don't think any of them really sort of helped the club in any substantive way. So there was, no, a, there was, no. there were things working against them, but there were a lot of missteps as well. Yeah, absolutely. 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 You know, we can argue until the end of the day that his hands were tied for the Diamande move and et cetera, et cetera. And la, 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 la. But at the end of the day, the move was made, you know, sure. at the end yeah. of the, it, like, and, and here we are. Right. So, um, here we go. Uh, uh, actually, Mike, I interrupted you, so you asked. Well, question. no, I, I was just going to say, I saw Casey's comment there. Um, a lot of people were saying, hey, what a Bob Bradley for the men's national team? Not a chance. No, I, I just, <laughs> they don't have that kind of money anyway. Uh, yeah, they don't have so, that kind of money. I yeah. mean, they would have to hope that he's, his ego is so bruised that he'd be willing to work for for, hey. uh, for peanuts. But uh, I, you know, he's, he, he's coached through civil wars. I don't, I, you know, certainly this bruised his ego, absolutely. But I have to think he's made a sterner stuff than that, considering how long he's been coaching in uh, a professional environment, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't think that his reputation would take that big of a hit, just in terms of what's happened with TFC. But you never know, right? I mean, it's it's your last stint that most people tend to remember. Yeah, 100%. And so, and so I can't help but wonder how much this has hurt Bob. Now, 
you know, I don't know. Maybe he gets a job offer tomorrow. Maybe he's going to, you know, return to club football. But it wouldn't surprise me if he gets a little, if it's a little bit harder for him to find his next job or if he just decides, you know what, I'm 66, 67, whatever it is. Yeah. Time to call it quits. I've had a, you know, pretty good run at it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. And, and no, no harm, no foul for that. You know, every, it, it's, it's, it's the best of us that know when to pull our own curtain, right? It's the, right. you know, and, and, and in this, in this specific sport, it's a rarity, you know, like we watched Josie Altidore convince himself he could still mm-hmm. play for, for the last three years of his, of his time for, with, with TFC. And that, that's not unheard of. Um, you know, I, there are questions I want to ask about, about stuff that I'll get in trouble about. So I'm just not going to ask them and we'll yeah, let the chips fall where they, yeah, let's, where they let's may. Yeah. But yeah. let's, uh, let's head over to uh, the burning question. And uh, oh we'll man, you got to prep me better for that. All right. Hold on. There we go. Run that thing. Uh, where is it? Oh yeah, there it is. All right, here we go. The burning question Ouch. presented by Nextdoor. It's back to school season. Uh, if you know a kid in your neighborhood that gives back to their community, nominate them on the Nextdoor app in the TFC fan group, and they could win tickets to the September 16th game versus Vancouver, which a lot of you in the chat are also uh, saying that uh, we should win. So, hey, bring a kid to the game. They might actually see a win. Um, I'm plus, so mad uh, at you. I was supposed to do that cold read. That was mine. Do you have to do all the cold reads on oh, our show bad. ever? Sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. No, 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 no. Don't worry about it. No, uh, no, 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 no. Well, you're the getting reads. plus. If you if they uh, win, they get food and swag for their entire family. Uh, mm-hmm. So to join the group, just download the app uh, in the App Store or get it at nextdoor.ca. Apologies, Jeff. Next week, you will get the cold read. Apologies, turts. Next week, I will. Uh, I'm going to uh, load a new one that's like uh, 50% of the volume. That stinger getting louder every week every we week. use it it's crazy yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the question we asked you this week was what impressed you about toronto fc's 3-1 win uh on against philadelphia uh so in the next door uh, group chris d just saying scoring some goals which i don't blame mm-hmm. him i mean prior to the montreal game there there had been a uh, a desert of them uh honestly uh, the team seemed more confident uh, in having some of our bigger names actually helping and, and playing well uh was really good uh, he also uh, i also asked him a question about new manager bounce was that a factor he says maybe um, but john you kind of spoke a little bit more to terry's preparation uh with the team over the last 10 weeks i think that really does sort of answer that um and then heather uh just says they played like they they should have played all season it was nice to see them play with more confidence and not like mm-hmm. they were defeated again john something that mm-hmm. you had mentioned before and you had mentioned in other pieces before yep. and um before we get into sort of the twitter comments just again how much do you think this might help uh that confidence factor because you had talked about this team essentially playing with little I would say pride. I, I'm always hesitant to say the word pride when it comes to players because players always have pride and go out and have their own professional pride. But just to that confidence that's the that rumor. of where Toronto FC, right? Um, how much do you think that might help them? I would think a bit, a fair bit. I mean, you know, they've, you know, again, not, not to put too much of a fine point on it, but they've been pretty dreadful the last three months. Yeah. The fact mm-hmm. that they were able to put in this quality performance and, a fully deserving victory over a very good Philadelphia side. And what was most encouraging about it was it wasn't just the Italian DPs, although they played brilliantly. It was everyone. It was a balanced effort. I mean, I can't think yeah. of, you know, 
anyone in the starting 11 who really had a bad game. Uh, maybe you can think Thomas Romero probably could have done yeah. that. Cool. But, like, you know, we've talked about everyone so far, whether it was the fullbacks or the central defenders or the midfield or the attack. Everyone pulled their weight. Everyone contributed. And so that's the most encouraging thing. And I would, I would think that they take a great deal of sort of encouragement from that and that they are capable of producing – you know, that type of performance a very against, you know, one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. So now the point now the point is, you know, repeatability and sustainability. Can they do it over and over again? And can they sort of, you know, maintain these high level of standards? And I don't think it's a mistake or sorry, I don't think it's a, an accident that this performance came, you know, shortly after Michael Bradley's return. I think mm-hmm. I think standards have been able to have been allowed to drop like a business. During his absence. And I think the fact that he's back there and, you know, holding not only himself, but others accountable. Uh, I don't think it's a mistake that you saw one of the best performances from, from the team against Philadelphia. So well put. So, you know, I would think that that's going to be a benefit of them too going forward. Absolutely. And yeah. look, as much as, uh, as fans, as people who have watched this show uh, quite a <clears> bit, you know, it's easy to get on Michael Bradley for things, right? Not enough pace, you know, seems like he's behind it a little bit. He's 36. Should he be thinking about the next step in his career? You cannot underestimate the type of leadership he can bring to a room, even right. if you don't always agree with him all the time, right? Even if mm-hmm. he sometimes can be that intense, right? Um, yep. <laughs> right. And that, and that intensity can rub people the wrong way a lot of the time. Right. And, and I think that, but you can't underestimate it because it does make people kind of look around and be like, well, if this guy's like, I got it right. Like it's, it's one of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that can be underestimated. I think you're right. I think that was sorely missed, um, around, so missed. around the first team. Um, G money just on Twitter just, uh, commented what didn't impress about Toronto FC's, uh, fans that game. Uh, the number nine scored uh, and made an assist. Uh, midfield three looked uh, really good together. Kobe dropping dimes. Raul, best game in the TFC uniform. Michael Bradley uh, said he had a center back. Best team effort maybe since before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were 45 There were forty-five minutes against Charlotte where everything looked like yeah, yeah, no. televised. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that's true. Yeah. 45 minutes and it- everything looked perfect. Yeah, I think I like think back to that Charlotte game, and we were like, you know, we're, I mean, I can remember, you know, looking around at uh, my colleagues in the press box, and we're like, holy cow, is this what we can expect every week? This is awesome. Yeah, it's yeah. Great Jokes on you, Jokes. Who knows that? Bad, but yeah, I look back at that forty-five minutes, and that was just like that was stunning. Yeah, I mean, that, that was, was lights best, out. Absolutely lights the best out. Sort of football they played, albeit against an expansion franchise, but mm-hmm. you got to beat them yeah. in front of you. Yeah, you know? no doubt. Um, Turks no just said overall commitment to the cause was something we haven't seen since early on in the season and yeah. just an opposite side of the viewpoint. Cause a lot of them were obviously positive, good vibes. It was a win. Uh, Jordan just, uh, chimed and says, I don't care. The team has an identity crisis. Let's see if Herdman is our coach <laughs> this time next year. Um, uh, or if they'll pull the plug on him like they did Bob Bradley and look, I think there is something to that. And again, this is a good vibe show, so I don't want to spend too long on negative vibes. But there are a lot of people that are still kind of turned off on the team. And it's not just the losing, right? I think sure. there is a lot on how the the identity of this team has been, formi- have been formulated, how the roster build was done, how some people feel the front office has treated fans. And, and that's a real thing, that one win isn't necessarily going to 
wiped clean uh, from the record. But I do think that it's okay, Jordan, to feel good about the result you saw on Saturday and take that in isolation for now, right? Yeah, it was a I great agree. game where 11 guys got on the pitch and they all looked like they had actually played together before, which has been a rarity this year, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. And John, I just wanted to get your sort of thoughts on that. Yeah, look, I'm I'm as a cynical bastard as the next person. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> mm. so I'm, like, I'm like, if I'm a TFC fan, I'm not sort of like planning the parade route or like thinking that, you know, this is the beginning of the start of something new and that, you know, this is the beginning of the turnaround. There's a lot of work to do here, <laughs> both mm. on and off the field, as you mentioned, Michael. But I would also think I would have, you know, I'm not completely joyless and I would, you know, I would be able to sort of enjoy, you know, this one moment of, of light and what has been a pretty dark and, you know, nightmarish campaign. So, yeah, I think it has to be kept in perspective, no question about it. But, you know, I'd hate to go through life all doom and gloom and not be able to enjoy this and just say, oh, well, it doesn't matter. They stink anyway. And there's no hope for, you know, for, yeah. for success. I mean, what, what yeah. kind of a way is that to go through life, you know? Well, I'll, I'll say this, and, and Jeff, you can probably back me up because you were mm. close by me for the game. It had been the first time I'd been at BMO Field really this year, maybe maybe since the Inter-Miami game, um, where I saw genuine happy people in the stands. Like yeah, genuinely happy, you know, like, look, I, I think everybody realized the team has been, you know, has been garbage for most of the year. That but was I your think- chant, I do believe. <laughs> yeah, there's a chance for that. But I also think that it, it, for a Saturday, people are able to put that aside for just a moment and enjoy mm. their team playing good football again, seeing, you know, the the ideas in the passing and, and sort of the movement come together again. And and for and for that 90 minutes, you know, people were engaged you know and yeah. it's incredible to me it's incredible that a, a season like this and we're still getting the attendances that we're getting um that the that the supporters are still engaged the way that they're engaged even though so much so many things both on the pitch off the pitch have gone wrong not just this season but over the past three seasons in a lot of ways mm-hmm. and it's just again it just it speaks to i think Although a lot of people call TFC Live and the culture a little toxic right now, and I, I get that, there definitely is that for sure. Mm-hmm. But I also think there are a lot of people who are able to take some of this into perspective and know that brighter days could be ahead. I'm not saying it for sure. I'm not saying John Herman's the savior. I'm not saying, you know, this offseason, everything's going to be fixed and we're back in playoff contention again. But for one and sort of Saturday night at the national exhibition, you got to see football that we kind of expected to see this season. Yeah. You you guys tell me, but wasn't it just fun to watch? Like irrespective of the results and the nightmare season that they've had, wasn't it just fun to sort of watch them sort of play like that and really kind of Mm -hmm. go at Philadelphia and score three goals and like play with full of confidence. I mean, it was entertaining to watch and I can't remember the last time, you know, I can say it was entertaining, you know, to watch TFC. Like, it's been a long time. Yeah. So I think just from a taking everything, uh, taking everything out of context, it was just a fun game to watch and a fun performance and a fun team. Yep, yep. I want to put a million asterisks on it, but I won't because I will bask in the glow of of happiness here before I go through acid on my face and r- melt my skin off because of what Casey said a, a couple minutes ago that I'm still obsessing over. But. <laughs> 
Well, I, uh, you do you do mm. look really good right now, Jeff. I mean, let's just say the facial <laughs> the, the face is looking great tonight. Really? Because it's I, looking I, good. I, okay. All right. Thank you. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, uh, yeah. No, just all good vibes. All good vibes, guys. Honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, uh, we will wrap up uh, tonight's show. Thank you again for tuning in to another Toronto Till I Die episode. The TTID community is growing. Tell them how much you like our show by leaving a review or a thumbs up uh, wherever you're getting our show. So if you're watching us right now live on YouTube or you're watching a recording of this on YouTube, give us the big old thumbs up and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a review. And if you're on Spotify, uh, drop us a few stars, preferably five if you are so inclined. Uh, but for Jeffrey P. Nesker, for John Molinaro, Five. five yeah exactly five. five it's like we're on ten. american idol just, ten, uh, just five. vote five text five 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 <laughs> we win american idol. for john yeah. jeffrey pinesker for john molinaro i'm mike newell we'll see you all next week cheers everybody and wait and wait and baby i'm tfc till i die